Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Late Night Crimecast. So, in the last episode, I introduced the channel and the podcast, but this episode, I think I'm going to introduce myself just to give you some background on on me. (laughs) I'm your host, Robin Steffens, of course. I'm 24 years old. I studied criminal justice in college. I have a degree in criminal justice. And I've worked in the criminal justice field for the past few years. I previously was a child protective investigator, and currently I do criminal research. So I know what you're thinking. Why do I enjoy crime so much? Why do I enjoy true crime? So both of my parents are retired police officers. I honestly think that's where my interest really comes from because they retired pretty early in their career due to my dad being injured on the job. And so I never really got to see that side of them or really get into that part of their life. And I really think that just brought out extra interest for me personally. Of course, like I said before, I studied criminal justice. I even decided to take my YouTube channel, which I started in college. I used to just do kind of the basic YouTube videos, but now I changed it to doing true crime because it's something that I'm really interested in and really have a passion for. YouTube is a hobby for me. I really enjoy that. So mixing in crime and doing my crime series on there just really was enjoyable for me. And it pretty much has taken over my channel as of recently. I mean, I'm kind of getting off track now, but I feel like YouTube is a huge hobby of mine. Crime is a huge hobby of mine, like talking about crime, I guess I should say, is a huge hobby of mine. So of course, when I'm introducing myself, I find that important to share with you guys. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it. That kind of gives you an idea of who I am, of why I made this podcast, of why I'm interested in crime, true crime, just everything. (laughs) So every week on Wednesday night, I'm going to discuss a new true crime story. Today, we are covering a story that comes out of Welch, Oklahoma. Today, we are covering the murders of Loria Bible and Ashley Freeman. I will be addressing them and all other victims by just their first names during this podcast. Since there are many victims I'll be talking about in this case, hopefully it will make it less confusing rather than me just going back and forth and in between their first and last names. But yes, let me give you some background on this case. This case took place in Welch, Oklahoma. Welch, Oklahoma is a town in Craig County, Oklahoma. Lots of Oklahomas. In 2010, it was said to only have a population of 610 people. And in 2000, the population was 597. The town wasn't, and to this day, isn't a big place. And even in the county, it's the second largest town. That tells you a lot about the area they lived in in general. It's just a rural area on the northeast of Oklahoma. I kind of hate small towns for this reason. You always hear like, oh, it's a small town, nothing happens here. 
when in reality, they have like 10 murders a year. I mean, it makes sense in a big city where people are on top of each other, you know, where there's so many people living in one place. But in a small town, you're probably friends or neighbors with the murderers. So that's an issue. But getting back into the story, the fact that it was such a small town is what made the disappearance and the violent murder of these two teenagers and their family members so shocking. Loria Jalen Bible was born on April 18, 1983 to her parents, Jay and Lauren Bible. She was a white female with brown hair, hazel eyes, and a mole under her nose. She also had a scar on her head. She was five feet, five inches, and 130 pounds at the time of her disappearance. Ashley Renee Freeman was born on December 29, 1983, to her parents, Danny and Kathy Freeman. She was a white female with blonde hair and blue eyes and a scar on the upper left side of her forehead. She was five feet, seven inches, and 145 pounds with an athletic build. These girls were best friends. They had known each other and had been close to each other since they were in kindergarten. These were unique girls. Ashley played basketball, but she also loved to hunt and fish. Loria raised hogs to show at livestock competitions, and she was also a cheerleader. I don't know if this is just unique to me because I've never lived in a rural area, but I found these things pretty interesting. I mean, you usually can't find girls like that, that like to fish, hunt, and raise pigs around where I live. But anyway, my point is, these girls were close. They would call each other at least once a week and talk on the phone for hours. Bible's mother even made a remark that they were the kind of friends that would finish each other's sentences. So these girls pretty much were attached at the hip. For that reason, it wasn't a surprise that on December 29th of 1999, which happened to be Ashley's birthday, that Loria asked her parents if she could spend the night at the Freeman's house for a sleepover. The girls, of course, wanted to celebrate in what better way. That same day, Loria got permission from her parents to go to the sleepover, and she made her way over to the Freeman's home. Later in the evening, the girls went to the local pizza joint with Ashley's parents and Ashley's boyfriend, Jeremy Hurst. That was the last time they were all seen together. The group later took the party to the Freeman's mobile home in Venita, Oklahoma. This is known because Jeremy Hurst, Ashley's boyfriend, was there. He stayed and partied with them until 9.30 p.m. That's when he left the mobile home. It is assumed that the rest of the family and Loria stayed in the home for the remainder of the night. Now sometime around late night or early morning, there was a fire that took place at the Freeman's residence. It wasn't until 5.30 the next morning that a concerned neighbor called the police about the fire. The police and firemen were alerted to the incident and the fire was extinguished. 
Of course, Loria's parents and the police search for any signs of the Freemans, as well as any signs of Loria. It was quickly discovered that the fire was no incident. The first body found was that of Kathy Freeman. Her body was found within the rubble and an autopsy quickly discovered that she had been shot in the head. It turns out that her death was not caused by fire, but by bullet. Police then begin to theorize that the father, Danny, had committed the crime. He murdered his wife and fled the scene with the girls, making the girls victims of kidnapping. However, that theory was soon proven false. On December 31st, 1999, Jay and Lorena Bible went back to the remains of what the Freeman's home was, and they discovered something horrifying in the rubble. There was another body there and it was burned beyond recognition. After notifying the police, they took the body in and it was confirmed to be the body of Danny Freeman. He had also been shot to death by close range shotgun. After this discovery, they doubled down and really searched the premises for the girls. They wanted to make sure that they weren't hidden somewhere in the rubble, and eventually they found out that their bodies weren't there at all. But they did discover an important clue. Loria's purse. It had her driver's license and $200 inside. Also, she had her car parked outside of the house with keys in the ignition. So. Let's rewind a bit and let's talk about the theories that first happened when this case came out. So let's just say that up to this point, anyone would think it's entirely possible that the girls did this. There have been theories thrown out there that Ashley killed her parents, maybe with the help of Loria, and this is all based on her having a bad relationship with her dad, Danny. However, those that knew them think that there isn't any way either girl could have committed murder. Also, it's just unlikely that they would have been able to be hiding this long without anyone being able to tip them off. I mean, there was a nationwide search for them, so it would be very hard for them to go undercover with so many eyes and ears looking out for them. Not only that, but leaving your car and leaving $200 in the home, it just doesn't make sense for that kind of theory. Second, there was a theory that the police department was involved with the murders and the missing girls. Yes, I know what you're thinking, the police department. I mean, there were no suspects in this case in the beginning. So naturally, the families tried to think of who would want to harm the Freemans, to think of anything that might have been said that would allude to what happened to them that night. It turns out that three months before his death, Danny had told his brother, Dwayne Vansel, that if anything happened to him, they should look into the Craig County Sheriff's Department. This was three months before his death. So the reason for this was because Danny's son, Shane, was shot and killed by a deputy after stealing a truck and gun from a neighbor. The shooting was justified in court, but Danny was still planning on filing a wrongful death lawsuit against the Sheriff's Department. Due to his untimely death, he never got to it. Because of this, the entire department had to take polygraph tests and were questioned. The sheriff's department complied and passed the investigations and the tests, and they were ruled out as being involved in the case. But this case was still turned over to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Now, there was another theory in here that Danny was a drug trafficker 
and that he had met with two unidentified men two weeks before the murders. Apparently, one of the men was not welcome in the home. There is not too much information on this as it was all through an informant to the police, but they didn't really think this theory would stand up because why would they kidnap the girls and not take any money or rob the place? It just wouldn't make sense. Now, outside of the theories, there were men that actually admitted to committing the crimes. A man named Jeremy Jones confessed to killing Danny and Kathy Freeman. He then claims he took the girls to Kansas where he shot them and disposed of their bodies in an abandoned mine. This was proven to be false because unless he can teleport or unless the timeline was wrong, he was arrested at about 4 a.m. 18 miles away from the crime scene. He later recanted his confession. But sadly, he is not the only person to claim he committed the crime, only to be found not credible. So after all of these theories fell through, and after all of these people lying and claiming to have committed these crimes, it honestly seemed as if the case would go cold. That was until December of 2017. Around that time, new investigators on the case found lost notes from the original investigation. Because of these notes, new leads were created. Then on April 23, 2018, it was announced that an arrest had been made in the case. A man named Ronnie Dean Buswick, now 67, was arrested and charged with four counts of first degree murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of arson. There were two other suspects, Warren Philip Welch and David Pennington, that were also identified as being involved in the case. However, they died before they could be arrested. Now, what led to this discovery was the interviews of at least a dozen people who say that they had knowledge of the missing girls. Now, this just means that these people knew of what happened and they held out for nearly two decades. Many of these people whose identity is hidden for obvious reasons dated or lived with the three men. All of the witnesses said either Phil Welch, David Pennington, or Ronnie Buswick bragged about the murders and threatened to kill anyone who went to the police. There was even reported a briefcase full of Polaroids of the girls tied up on a bed that looked like it belonged to Welch some with Welch even in them. It is presumed that the girls were alive for several days after their kidnappings and they were tortured and raped. Welch and Pennington were known to cook meth together and several of those interviewed reported that the three killed the Freemans over money owed for drugs. Despite Busick's arrest and pending trial, police have been unable to locate Loria and Ashley's bodies.
Okay guys, so today's case was a pretty heavy one. I don't know, I just find it kind of sad that they still haven't been able to find the bodies of these girls and that they met such a cruel end. I mean, it's been two decades now and it just is so sad that the men who were involved in this case were able to get away with it that they were able to go on and die free men. At least two of them were. I'm hoping that justice is served to this third man and that he does not escape the law. That's going to be it for today's Crimecast. Thank you guys so much for listening and tune in next Wednesday for more.